ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. It's the Great Scott Show. I am Scott Prather, and joining me now, an interview uh, 10 years, 11 years in the making. I, um, I, I, I did everything I could, pulled in all my favors, but the greatest athlete in the history of all of sports joins me now. That would be New Orleans Saints Hall of Famer Pierre Thomas. Pierre, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, you know, so I think before we start, I just got to put it out there. You know, man, I just, I love you. So I don't know how that makes you feel, but I just got to let you know before we begin. I, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I, I just, I just wanted to tell you that I love you. And I just needed to put that out there before we started oh, the man, interview. I, yeah. Yeah. I just, I love you, too, man, man. So I feel the love. I feel the love. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, dude. Look, um, Let's talk about uh, your childhood a little bit in Chicago. And, you know, I remember your dad telling a story at your Saints Hall of Fame induction. Um, you know, the first thing, the first moment he, he thought you could be a great athlete wasn't with a football. It was with a baseball bat, right? Yeah, it was actually with a baseball, baseball bat, baseball inside of a, a, a sports goods store. <laughs> That's when he first saw it. So were you a big Frank Thomas fan when you were younger? I was a big White Sox fan, and yes, I mean, Frank Thomas, I was a fan of, because, I mean, we got the last, same last name. I used to tell a lot of people, his relatives, uh, a lot of people used to believe me, <laughs> ask if I could get tickets to the game. Uh, but I am a Sox fan. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Uh, I mean, I had a, a blast going to the games. I'm still a fan myself right at this moment, but I've been so busy, haven't got a chance to watch too many of the games, but. I mean, I still try to catch some here and there, but like I said, I, I've been a, a baseball fan since I was five years old. That was the first, my first love, and I still love the game. When, when did football become a sport that you had a passion for? I um, always played football, but it was like in a backyard with my friends. And I mean, I always uh, watched a few uh, NFL players as I was growing up. Uh, Barry Sanders, you know, uh, Terrell Davis. I, was, I, I really liked running backs because it was as you can tell, uh, I mean, it, it was just, it was just the sport that I, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch and just try to imitate the player in the backyard with my friends. But I didn't know at a young age that they had the organized sport going on, going on around my neighborhood. So what really got me to really reach out and ask my mom if I, if I could play was the movie Little Giants. I don't know if a lot of people remember that. Oh, movie, they know the it. Movie Little Giants really oh, yeah. got me to want to play football. And I ran into uh, one time we was playing in the backyard again with my friends. Uh, another kid came in, a new kid I never seen, and uh, his father was a coach for organi- organized uh, football organization. And he asked if I wanted to play, and I asked my mom, and that's where the story went. That's where the story goes from there. There it is. So yeah, you were you were watching Junior and uh, and the other guys and Spike, and you decided I want to play football. Yeah, <laughs> Pierre Thomas, our guest. Hoping those girls on the team. That's right. That's right. Um, so speaking of uh, of of girls, or rather speaking of women, you know, your mom played such a, a big influence on your life. As you said, she always uh, she always kept you humble. So when it comes to your athletic career, what part did your mom play in it? Well, you know, my mom, she always taught me to work hard. She always pushed me. She told me I'd never give up. She said, if you're going to start this, you finish it. And this is funny. And I actually said this uh, <laughs> during my Hall of Fame speech. And, I mean, this is why. And I, I told everybody there, me and my mother, we have a, 
a different type of relationship. She, she's a woman raising a, a young boy, uh, especially an aggressive young boy. And, um, she didn't, she probably didn't know what she was doing, getting herself into. I mean, she had a daughter also, so she has to play the soft role and the, she has to be the tough mom too, because she's dealing with a son. So she, she didn't know. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if she knew how to bond with a, a son before or like, you know, man before or whatever, but she did the best job she can. I, I think she did a wonderful job raising my sister and myself. But what I was trying to get into what our, what our relationship is, is that we, she keeps it real. And what I mean real is she, like our family, they, they curse on her side, which I think a lot of people in this world do, do yeah. curse. We do curse. When we with our family members, we just say what we want to say. We get it out. We be real. We be raw. And that's how she was. And I, I mean, I wouldn't, I love that she did that because she taught me how to be professional. She taught me how to be respectful, but she also just showed me that she can be trustworthy. She can be cool. She can be my friend. She could be mom. You know what I mean? She can talk to me any way I want any, I can talk to her and feel comfortable about what I say, you know, and she, and, but she will correct me if I'm out of line. And she told me, she was like, look, I'm going to be real with you. She was like, I see you doing good in sports. You know, people are praising you, but I just want to let you know one thing. You ain't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but some people would take that was like, Oh, how can you talk to your son or your child like that? But she didn't, it wasn't in any harmful way, you know, disrespectful way. It was, it was something to make you think like, remember there's people out here better than you in this world, stronger than you, faster than you, smarter than you, all this, but you must work to become the best. And that's what you want to become. And also respect people who are better than you. Don't get upset, respect them, respect that they worked harder than you. They beat you out at this point, or they're, they're better than you. Just respect it. And uh, it, it just kept me balanced when she said that. Cause I mean, she could have said, you know, there's people like, just like what I said, there's people out here better. She could have explained it like that, but she put it short and sweet. And just said, just remember you ain't shit. So <laughs> after, after we talk and I, and I remind you that, you know, you're, you're the, the greatest athlete in the history of the world and I'm building you up and telling <laughs> I, you, I, I love you. That. You just, you got, you got to call your mom and just <laughs> say, mom, I need to hear it. And she can just say, Pierre, you ain't shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. All I need to do is just remember you ain't shit. I was like, okay, I'm going to put, I'm going to uh, write a book about that. I, uh, I, I'll, I'll read it when you do someday. I remember Drew Brees <laughs> writing about you um, in his, his book, Coming Back Stronger and your, your work ethic. So drawing from your parents and getting that work ethic, obviously you brought it over into sports. Did, did you come from like a family of athletes, like cousins or your parents or your sister, or are you kind of like just the guy in the family that, that was the athlete? Um, I mean, my father, he used to play sports. My mom, she did too, but they wasn't, they went more into the army. Uh, they didn't really get into sports like that. Uh, cousin wise, everybody grew up playing sports, but nobody, they stopped maybe right before high school or doing high school. And uh, and that's where and that's where it went from there. And I just blossomed into this this athlete that a lot of people in the family start to see that I was good at. They start to see that I was good at sports, and that's what they kept. They was my my you know, my cheerleading squad. You know what I mean? My family was there supporting me during the whole whole journey. So I really appreciate that. You know, they was there to make sure I stay out of trouble and make sure I'm on the right path. 
What else did you do in high school, Pierre, other than sports, or was it mainly class and sports? Uh, it was mainly class and sports. Uh, my mom, there, there wasn't really too much to get into. Sorry about the train. There wasn't too much that I was really getting into uh, besides sports. Uh, just hanging out with my friends, just hanging out outside of school once once I was done with school. But after that, it was it was it. Sports in school. So you, you end up at University of Illinois, which wasn't too far from you. Did you have other offers, or was that an easy choice? What was the um, you know uh, recruitment process like for you? So uh, with that, <clears throat> so my thing is, and what a lot of people really don't know about me, except for my closest friends and family members, is with me in sports, I was, uh, I watched it, but I never really got into it like that. Like I could not watch sports too often. I, I, I just wasn't the person who could sit down and just watch it. Uh, I was, I just love to participate. I love to be in the action. That's how I am. I'm a competitor. I love to compete. I, I would tell the people, like, I don't care if it's the spelling bee. I will, I will compete against you spelling words. Like, I just love to compete. I really don't wa- like watching sports too often because I get to the point where it's like, man, I want to go out there and do that, you know? And, and it's not to, not to be arrogant, not to try to be a show-off or anything. It's just that's just how I am. I just love to compete. I love to be involved. So me, like I didn't ever really make it that decision. It was just more of my cousin that really helped push me to make a decision going to Illinois. I got a few, I got a lot of letters. I was getting a lot of letters from all the big 10 schools. I actually got a, I got a full scholarship when I was a sophomore at high school from Kansas state. Wow. I guess there was a misprint in the paper that I was a senior, and oh. it gave me a full ride when I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> so I probably would have been playing with pros. That would have been something. <laughs> Eventually it happened. <laughs> I start to, when, when I get to my senior year and I was getting all these letters, I start to really pay attention to what the backfield at these schools were looking like. Who were, what would these, what were they running backs like? What were they running backs years? How many years would they be playing? Because I was more of a, I wanted. I told my cousin. I sat down with him. Uh, his name is Quentin, by the way. I sat down with Quentin and we talked about it. He's like, "Man, well, what do you want? You want to go in? You want a red shirt or you want to play?" I was like, "Man, I want to play. I'm not. I'm not trying to sit down. I'm not trying to sit out." So we. He did his work. I mean, he loves sports. He loves looking up stats and all these and other guys. So he was like my go-to guy about talking about sports because I mean, I just love to play. I really didn't care about the stats. I didn't care about all that. Which I mean. When I got to the pros, I mean, I cared about it because I had to learn about it. I had to know who my opponents were. But besides that, I, I didn't care about my stats. A lot of people were like, I always called him up. And, like when I was in the pros, I called him up. Hey, how did I do? Tell me, what, what are my stats like? Because I've never paid attention. He always told me because uh, that wasn't my focus. My focus was doing the best job I can on that field. But to get back to the story, uh, so he looked up the schools and he said that Illinois was like the best choice uh, from the letters that I was getting, because I didn't really open up the letters to see if I got any other scholarships. I seen, I then we we opened up because uh, after we made that choice of Illinois being the best school, we opened up all the letters, and that's when we found the scholarship uh, for Illinois. 
So you, you go there, and uh, you were there at the same time as Rashard Mendenhall. Did, were you, did, what was the, the, um, the running back room like in college? Were you guys tight while also competing against one another, or was it kind of low-key? Oh, no, we were, we were all tight. We were, we were good friends. We talked a lot of smack to each other. The room, it was a great vibe. Nobody disliked it, anybody. Uh, Rashard came in when I was a senior, or no, sophomore. He came in when I was a sophomore. Actually, a junior. Rashard is two years younger than me. Yeah, he came in when I was a junior. It's his freshman year. And I'm looking at this kid like, wow, this is a big boy. You know, coming in freshman year, he's like 220 or 215. I was above 90 when I got into my freshman year of college. And I see this big guy coming in. I'm just like, wow, this kid is good. So I just knew I had to, you know, outwork him. Because I knew I seen that he could be a good athlete, even though he's a freshman, he's still trying to give a, learn the ropes. But he was an athlete, and a lot of people see it. I saw it, but I just was I was more determined not to let anybody take my position. I said, "What's really going to happen here is we're going to share it," and that's basically what happened. We had some some good uh, running backs. We had E.B. Halsley, we had Rashard Mendenhall, we had myself uh, as as a rotation. We all rotated uh, those years. And I felt like it was a smooth rotation. I was always used to a rotation. I mean, into the pros, I got to a rotation. So, I mean, I was always used to a rotation. Only time I didn't have a rotation was in high school. But uh, when I got to the uh, – in, in U of I, we, we, we had a great backfield. Uh, I still talk to Richard here and there once once in a while. I, I, congratulations when I found out he started right for uh, the show Ballers. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we – we still stay in contact with a lot of guys from uh, college, so we still have that bond. But there's no, uh, there's no bad terms against each other. No, we we still talk smack to each other. He, he still got got nicknames from me. I, I call him Billy Blanks, and <laughs> and we just we just go from there. You know, we remember this once in a while when we see each other and we talk, but we still got a great bond. Pierre Thomas is our guest, Saints Hall of Famer, former running back. And um, ESPN1420.com. So you, you had a good college career, Pierre. Why do you think you didn't get a, an invite to the combine? I guess uh, I didn't put up big numbers. Uh, I'm assuming because of the rotation scheme, I wasn't considered in Illinois' eyes as the starting running back. I, I believe that could be the, the case. But I hope that my style of playing and the way I played and the way I came to the game, approached the game, opened up a lot of people's eyes to show like, hey, and I mean, same thing going into the NFL. It's like, look, I might not put up big numbers, but I can play the game. So it could be people in my position, another athlete in a different position, but who might not be the fastest, might not put up huge numbers, but can play the game, be consistent. And I think that's what you really should be looking for is consistency. Somebody who could be consistent. Yes, you got some of these guys who are unbelievable fast, unbelievable strong, freak of nature, which is great to have on the team. But you also need those dudes who are consistent and who gives up, who show, who put hearts in, and show determination, that show that hunger that they want to win and they want to compete and they're going to work hard. And that's, I, I say, that that was what kept me going. It kept me, you know, where I was at. Your your transition to the NFL and, and specifically the Saints is a big part of, I think, the story behind why Saints fans 
you know, uh, holds you in such high esteem and, and, you know, you're, you were a fan favorite undoubtedly in your career, Pierre. And, um, several years ago when the Saints special teams unit was struggling, and this was after you had, you had finished playing, we'd get calls on the shows here and uh, a lot of complaining about Greg McMahon, who's now doing a, a great job at LSU over there. But I would always say, look, y- y'all can be critical of him right now, but without Greg McMahon, the Saints probably never have Pierre Thomas. So give us the backstory of how he was really the key to you breaking into uh, that Saints backfield. Uh, at least I say breaking in, at least giving you that opportunity. Yeah, it all, and, and it's, it's funny. It all started with Greg McMahon. Uh, since me and Greg McMahon goes back since high school, I can say that, tell you that. That's how far back we go in high school, my high school. So this was my senior year in high school. We were playing Champagne Central. Uh, it was his son's football team. Me and his son is the same age. He came down to TF South where I went to school, their school. And we, I had the best run of, actually, of the state, the entire state. We went to the, we get the all-star, uh, yeah. the whole all-star team. Um, I, they had put me as the, I had the number one play that year against his son's high school team. I think I made nine defenders miss for a touchdown. I think it was like a 40 or 50 yard touchdown. I made nine defenders miss, basically the whole team missed and I scored a touchdown. That was like, I wouldn't say that was one of my best games, but it was a game that I really had to step up because <laughs> I was actually messing up that game. I had like a couple of fumbles. I was really it was like a bad game at me for me for at first. And then my coach came over to me. He was like, "Look, man, you better get your stuff together because there's a college scout in the stands." And as soon as he told me that, he didn't tell me who it was, his name or nothing. But as soon as he told me it was a college scout, I was like, "Oh man, let me get my together." You know what I mean? Let me get on my uh on my, in my zone. So I snapped after he t- my coach told me that. Tom Pagney after he told me that. I snapped, and that's why I had the best run of my career uh, in, high, in high school on that team. Well, I made nine defenders miss. So Greg saw me then. He told Illinois about me, so they've been watching me ever since. And then I got the scholarship. They sent somebody else down. Uh, Robert Jackson was the man's name who was uh, watching me at that point because they didn't know anything about me uh, until that run. Uh, and when I got to college, the U of I, Greg McMahon was the – the uh, special teams coach, the head special teams coach, and I was on special teams. I made sure I did every position. He put me on every position. And I, I, I did, a, 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 I think, an outstanding job, an okay job there. <laughs> and it moved on to – then I, I didn't know that he went on to uh, the Saints until my agent called and told me, and said, hey, you got an inside guy with the Saints. I'm like, I really – I do? Like, who, who are you talking about? And he said, Greg McMahon. I said, oh, wow, I did not know he was there. So Greg told them about me and – this is the story that I was told that they pulled my my name from the back room. Uh, like I guess we were doing a draft time of that year. My name wasn't even in the main room of where all the coaches and recruits and everybody else was at. They said they had to go in the back room to pull my name out, and because McMahon highly recommended me. Well, and when he and I and I when uh, when I got there, I talked to Greg. And I just said, "Hey, good seeing you again." And he said, "I'm really happy you're here." He's like, "Just." Do one thing for me. Uh, put your name in their mouth in a positive way. I said, 
that I can do. And I said, is there anything else I need to know? He was like, nope, just do what I've been seeing you do. And that's it. And the Saints were stacked at running back. I mean, they're coming off a, a, a run, you know, their deepest playoff run in team history. You got a young Reggie Bush. You got a Deuce McAllister and Aaron Stecker. They draft Antonio Pittman, and, and they move up to do it, as everybody knows. But, um, you know, here's this Pierre Thomas kid, and like he said, put your name in their mouth in a positive way. And it wasn't just the running, Pierre. I mean, I, I remember that preseason. You really – attack special teams in such a big way and with respect to Antonio Pittman I I don't I don't really recall him doing anything in that in that regard and and how I guess my question is how much do you think what you did on special teams as an undrafted rookie ended up leading to you getting that roster spot well I mean it, it shows special teams is very important because I mean it can, it can be a game changer it can turn the direction of a game if you return a kick or return a uh, a punt return. If you stop a crucial, you know, field goal or something like that, it can it can turn the game into your your direction, and that there is a way of showing the coaches that special teams is a way of showing the coaches that hey, I want to do more than just be on the special teams. I'm going to show you that I have talent. I'm going to show you that I deserve to be on this field. If it's even special teams, defense, offense, no matter what it is, I'm going to show you that I want to, that I need to be on this field because I am a playmaker, and that's what we look for. We look for playmakers. Everybody is looking for playmakers, even if you do have a solid position on the team. When you got new recruits each year, you're looking for somebody who who's a playmaker who can help benefit this team. Uh, that's what we look at, and I mean not just coaches, players too, because you want a good player on your team. You want somebody who's going to make plays, make a difference, because. It's a team sport. It's a team game. Not one person can make a difference. Uh, not in this sport, I could say. I mean, you, you might get some guys out there who can make a difference, but not. It takes the whole entire team to make a difference, and that's what you want. You want playmakers, and special teams really show you who are playmakers. Because if you see a guy out there busting his butt each and every play, each and every time special teams is called, I think he does. That person deserves a shot, and seeing what they can do on offense, defense, or when it really counts. Pierre Thomas, our guest. So I've, I think I've got this story right. Most guys are going to, you know, take a flight to a training camp, see if they make the team. Did you drive to New Orleans from Chicago? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, a lot of people that year, all the rookies, they, you know, we was all talking, and they was like, well, how did you get down here? We was talking about flights, and I said, I drove. They were like, you drove? I said, yeah. They were like, you drove from Chicago? I'm like, yeah. I was like, well, if you don't make it, I said, uh, I'm making this team. <laughs> I don't know what she, your guys' thought process is, but I didn't come down here to say I'm, I'm not making it or what's going to happen next. No, I'm making this team. I came down here because I know I'm going to be here. That was my determination. That was my mindset. I wasn't going to deflect from that. I, I truly believe if you visualize yourself uh, accomplishing your goals or something that you want, it will come true, but you cannot deflect. You cannot. Uh, you cannot go against your thoughts or go against your 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 passion, your goals, because then you you're second guessing yourself. Mistakes are going to happen. You're letting in room for mistakes if you keep thinking like that. I feel like if you think positive, you remain positive. And you do positive things. Positive things will happen to you. You have to visualize yourself. Uh, getting a certain position that you want, whatever job it is, 
I mean, you have to visualize yourself completing that goal and doing the right things. So that's that was that was my vision. I drove down because I knew that I was going to be on that team. TED Talk with with Pierre Thomas right now. I'm I'm halfway kidding. That's great stuff. So you drive down there. Had had you ever been to Louisiana before that? Uh, I have, but I was very young. Uh, my, my mother and my sister and I, we all took a, a trip, a road trip. We went down to the swamps. I remember this because uh, she had reminded me, and I, I totally forgot because I was like, I've never been to New Orleans. And she was like, yes, you have. She was like, do you remember when we, we went on that swamp tour? You see the alligators you're feeding the marshmallow? I'm like, oh, that's right. And I, But I was really, I can't remember how old I was, but I know I was young. I was a baby, and uh, it, it that was the only time, but as an adult, no, uh, that was my second time coming down, but first time as an adult. Well, you, you drove down, you ended up staying, but was there a moment where you thought you hadn't made the team, but you actually had? Was there a moment that I, I thought I didn't make the team? Right. Was there a moment like where they, where you weren't sure the process of how it works on cut day? Yeah. Yeah. There was that moment where uh, it was, Last game of last year, after the last game of preseason, going into the regular season, so I didn't know how to, I don't know how, I didn't know how the process works. You know, this is my first time going through the system in, uh, in this this profession, and I'm sitting in my hotel room, uh, just sitting there, uh, not getting a phone call, not getting hearing anything. So I'm thinking to myself, well, at least I tried, you know. I told myself that I was going to make this team. That's why I drove down here. And I, when I went, I didn't hear anything from anyone. Uh, I started packing my clothes, started packing up my suitcase. I had one thing left. Um, actually, actually, let me let me take a step back. <laughs> I come, I come back to the hotel, hotel, uh, the Hilton Hotel, right there by the airport. I was at a, a buddy of mine's house uh, who I knew who got drafted. Uh, I can't remember if it was Usama Young or. D. Jones. I can't remember who house it was, but I was at their house. I know they already got drafted. It was on the team. And then I was just like, look, man, congratulations. Do your thing. He was like, you haven't heard anything? I'm like, no, I haven't heard anything. I'm like, I'm about to go back to the hotel, I guess, pack, and uh, head back to Chicago. I was like, good luck. So I started to drive back to the hotel, and I got to my floor, and I saw my luggage all packed up, everything in the hall. I'm like, wow. NFL is brutal. <laughs> they are brutal. Get NFL. out. If you don't make it, they pack your stuff up for you and tell you, okay, thanks for coming. <laughs> That's wild. But, uh, so I went back downstairs. I, I had money. They, uh, you know, they gave me some money for, like, for being there. And uh, I got another day because I wasn't going to drive right, right in and there. So I got another, I got I to pay for another room for another day, for another night. And, um, uh, just packing, making sure everything was good, repacked everything, make sure that was all my valuables were still in my luggage. And I was just sitting on the bed watching TV, and then I get a call from none other than Greg McMahon. I'm like, hey, how you doing, Coach? He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just uh, relaxing right now. I packed up my clothes, getting ready to leave out here in the mall. He was like, what do you mean you're about to leave? I'm like, I'm, I didn't make the team. I'm like, I'm, so I'm like, I'm getting ready to head back to Chicago, down the back. He was like, nobody told you? I'm like, nobody told me what? He was like, you're on the team. I was like, don't play with me. He was like, yes, you made the team. So your ass better be at the meeting right early, 8 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. I was like, 
there was a pause. And I was just like, okay, thanks. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And when we got on the phone, I literally got on the bed of that hotel room and started jumping up and down like a big-ass kid. That's, so I was very excited. That's, uh, if Like you were going to appreciate making the team no matter what. But there was a small wrinkle in there that somehow made you appreciate it more because you thought it was taken away and then it was given back to you. That's uh, that's wild. And it's a good thing Greg called you, man. I mean, would have sucked if you were on the road to Chicago and he calls you in the morning. He's like, where are you? Yeah, it definitely would have sucked. Uh, I probably would have got my first fine, uh, first time being on the thing. Right out probably the gate. A, uh, probably would have been a first ever. Pierre Thomas, our guest, ESPN1420.com. So your rookie year, you're making an impact on special teams. I remember the block punt and the score in the Seattle game and eventually you work your way into the lineup. So final game of your rookie year, you're back in Chicago and uh, you guys don't win the game, but you get, I think, over 100 yards rushing, 100 yards receiving. Was that a moment for you, like, in regards to, like, okay, I, I, not only can I play in this league, but I can, I can do big things? Well, at that, at, during that year, uh, as I started to see, you know, our, our running backs start to go down, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I might be the only one. And, uh, and that's what happened, you know, going into that last game against Chicago, which I was the only running back left that was still standing. And I've I seen it. And I'm, just, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is my opportunity. This is God has given me an opportunity to show everyone in this organization uh, that's part of the Who That Nation, the fans, reporters, everybody in the NFL, that I can be a starting running back in this league, in this profession. I can be a top guy. So that was my opportunity. When I saw that, and being back home too, and, and doing it where everything started for me, it couldn't have landed any, in a better place. You know what I mean? I was, I was so happy. I was excited. I mean, I was pumped. Um, and I'm just telling myself, this is your time right now, so go out there and shine. And that's what I did. I just went out there and I played the game. I knew exactly what I needed to do. I went out there early to get used to the field. Uh, I seen uh, Ron Turner, my old uh, college coach, my old head college coach. He was there with the Bears at the time. And uh, we, we got a chance to talk. And uh, he, he was like, look, man, and during that time, too, he was trying to he was trying to get me during that uh, that year of draft, but if he did call me, but he just called me and said good luck. I thought it was the call that hey, we're picking you up with the Bears, and I was going to be like, oh wow, thank you. But now he just called me and told me good luck. That kind of got me. Yeah, <laughs> but <go>. anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, just talking to him and just getting a, a, a feel of the field because I'm like this. I had to get out there early just to get a the feel of the field so I could see what I'm running on, what type, what I need to use cleat wise and how to move, because I know Sean is big on the cleats. Make sure you got the right cleats on. I know he's really big on that. But I, I wasn't going to, I just wanted to play in front of my friends and family and show them, show everybody that I do belong uh, on this team and as a big potential of being a starter. You know, I, I wanted to have a big role, and that was my opportunity to show them. So, yeah, I rushed for 100 and received for 100, but I did not know that, Nobody else has done that. I'm surprised that Reggie hasn't done it, Deuce McAllister hasn't done it, and Ricky Williams. I'm surprised those guys haven't, haven't done that before me. And when I found out that they said I was the only one in Saints history to do that, it was just a big shock. And I think it was more of God's will. 
You know, he, he wanted me, he wanted me to go out there and do that. He put me in that position to do that. So I was very grateful and very honored to have that, uh, that title of saying I was the very first one to rush for a hundred receive for a hundred in one game. It was very shocking. Like I said, I, there was a lot of great running backs way before me, there before me. And I was just shocked that they didn't have, accomplish it before me, but I mean, it, it couldn't have been a better story for myself and how I came up and being a, in my hometown. Pierre Thomas, our guest, ESPN1420N.com. And from there, your role just increased more and more uh, as the seasons went on. Got to ask you about 2009, right, the Super Bowl team. Is there a moment from the regular season that you remember more than any other, Pierre? Uh, I'll have to say the game uh, I was sick. Well, at least, yeah, the beginning of that season, really. Preseason, I got hurt. I was out for two weeks because uh, I had a a grade two, I think it was a MCL tear, mm-hmm. a grade two. So my, my knee was bothering me. Right? I was out for the last two weeks. I was starting to come back in the beginning of the season. And then I had an accident with uh, trying to get to my dog during that year. <laughs> I ended up cutting my leg open on a fence, and I was trying to get through to get to my dog. So but your dog, like, yeah. got, got out the house and you were running after him? Yeah, it was – well, my, no, my dog didn't get out the house. He was in the backyard, and he got – he was. I got home, and I didn't see him. I didn't know where he was at, so I drove around the neighborhood, and I thought I lost him. And then I get back home after driving for hours, trying to find him. I get back home, and I hear something in the backyard. But it's in my neighbor's yard. I, my dog is tangled up. Uh, and that's when I, I saw him, and I went to go get – I tried to squeeze through the fence and get to him in my neighbor's backyard. And yeah. there was a, a sharp, pointy edge sticking from that steel fence that cut my leg open right by my meniscus, right by my MCL. Wow. That Exactly. And it was deep. Because, I mean, I was trying to get through it, so I kind of ripped through it, just to squeeze through it, hurry to get to my dog. And I come back over, and I, when, I know, when I got to the house, I noticed I had a big gash in my pants because those were my favorite pants. <laughs> I was a little upset about that. But then I looked even further, I seen blood just running down my leg, and I, I noticed that I ripped my whole leg open. I was like, wow. So I needed stitches, and it was, it was a very deep cut. Uh, so I needed stitches and I had to sit out for another couple of two weeks. So they were, they were upset about that, uh, which w- that story wasn't really told of how it really played out. So it's the first <laughs> well, time hearing this. So wait, wait, now. what did you, I gotta know, what did you tell the, what did you tell the saints? You were just like, I, I slipped in the shower. Like what was well, it? No, I told them the truth. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I was like, I, I, that's what I, that's what happened. I'm not going to sit here and lie about you. it. I'm not going to slip it, slip it. This is like freaking shit happens. You know, it's life. Right. Things happen in life. We got to move on. We have to move on from it. I'm like, it's not bothering me. You guys are telling me to sit out. I don't want to sit out. I can go play. Just wrap this damn thing up. So I know the stitch, if the stitches come out, let's get it re-stitched up. You know, that's how, that's my mindset. I'm not going to let this hold me back from playing. You guys are holding me back from playing because it is. I don't care if I'm, my leg is stitched up. I'll still go out there and play. Just pat it up. Put some gauzes on it. Wrap the hell out of it. Put something else around it. Let's go. Let's put some plastic, some some uh, saran wrap. <laughs> so we catch the blood. I don't care. Let's go out there and play. That's that's just me. I, I want to go out there and play. I don't care if my ankle is just like hanging off because at one point in the that next year my ankle was. That's when I had the injury. But the leading on to that story, then I ended up getting food poisoning, and then the Buffalo game happened. I got food poisoning during the Buffalo game of that year. Jeez. But that's when I had one of the best games of my career where I 
halftime, well, before the game, I'm growing up, uh, growing up all in a, in the morning. I miss warm-ups. I come out as the team is coming in. Sean looked at me and was like, are you just coming out? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, coach, I've been throwing up all, like, ever since we got here. Like, you know, they told you I've been throwing up. So I'm getting IVs nonstop. Uh, he was hesitant. He didn't really play me that first half because he was hesitant. He was like, I want to see how you do. So he, I was just there for special teams during the first half. He was like, are you ready to go in? Cause the second, then second half come up. He was like, are you ready to go in? I said, man, I've been waiting on you to call me and put me in. So he was like, just go in. So after he puts me in, I do an amazing job. I think uh, Greg McMahon said, he was like, man, that, that game, I, I, well, let me tell you, I rushed for about 120-something yards and two touchdowns in the second half. And Greg, man, Greg McMahon was like, man, I can't believe it. That was like, that was the outstanding game that you had. He was like, man, that reminds me of a Michael Jordan episode. When he was mm-hmm. sick, and he scored uh, about 60-some-odd points when he, was, when he had the flu. And I was just like, man, I just wanted to, I just wanted to play. I was like, I was ready to play. That's awesome, dude. I don't, I don't care how my leg. And I was in, a, and I was in a big uh, knee brace at that point too. I had a big, huge knee brace on. Uh, not sure if a lot of people knew, remember that, but if you go back in the film, you'll see that knee brace that I got on. I, uh, I love the backstories because you know, on, on the outside, even even with the media, you know, I mean, so much is yeah. is closed off from us. So. You know, you get people calling shows, fans like, well, why didn't they play him in the first half? Or that's ridiculous. Or why, you know, and it's like, there's there's always a reason. And, and 90% sure. of the time, we just have no idea what it is. And, and that's the thing. A lot of people don't get to see the inside. They don't get the inside scoop. They don't get the full story. They get half of the story, a little bit parts of the story. Nobody ever gets the full story. So um, I don't know if you remember the touchdown you scored in the Monday night game against the Falcons that year, but... You did a, a dance in the end zone that my friend Rob has done that similar dance usually when he's intoxicated for like many years, and so he he kind of <laughs> he kind of freaked out and, and and I was like we got to call it the Pierre dance now the Pierre the Pierre shimmy and he was like no it's it's mine and I was like dude it's Pierre <laughs> Thomas he's like all right you know what we'll rename it. <laughs> What do you, uh, I'm trying to remember what dance. You remember what dance? It was like you like you like you like swayed your your arms like to one side and then the other, almost kind of like a hula oh, girl would, right? Like a wave that swag surf. Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's it. Oh, that's what it was. That swag and surf song from. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know if that's Soldier Boy or what, but it's, that's funny. That's we swag didn't know. Surf. We didn't know. We just, swag we, just surf. we were like, look at him. He's he's doing the dance. Uh, look, man. <laughs> the uh, the NFC title game that year. You were magnificent, honestly. I mean, it was it was. I was there. I was actually in the stands, sitting by my mom. I wasn't up in the in the press box, but from the 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 thirty eight yard touchdown on the screen early to the touchdown run to the to the the forty yard kick return in overtime. So many people forget about it. And then the fourth and one where you, the ball almost comes loose, but you hang on to it. I mean that that to me is a moment in a lot of ways that really symbolizes, okay, go watch that game and watch all the little things Pierre Thomas did in that game because they don't get to the Super Bowl, obviously, without a lot of guys. So I'm not just trying to sing you yeah. out. There are a lot of great teammates. But I, I feel like the appreciation for what you did in that game kind of gets forgotten because of Porter's pick and and and, and, and Hartley's kick, and I, I get it. But, man, there were so many little things you did in that game that, that was, in the end, proved to be a big difference. Well, yeah, I, I mean, just to point, I got for that game. I mean, just to point out, I did. They did give me the game ball. 
uh, for that game. You deserved it. The team, the team, yeah, the team saw it. Uh, they recognized it. I did get a game ball for that. Uh, but yeah, I, I was just determined to put a stamp on that game because I'm like, okay, this is our opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm thinking to myself, just like the Chicago game, my fresh, my rookie year, uh, I got to put a stamp on this game. You know, I must do something to help us get there. So if that's whether the putting the team on my back, I'm going to try to put the team on my back. Whatever I can do, I'm going to do my position to the best ability, and I'm and I'm going to overdo it. So I, that's what I tried to do. You know, I wanted to make sure that any way possible, I can help us get to the to the Super Bowl. And I mean, like you said, I I, I got a uh, scored a touchdown on the screen. I was determined not to run out of bounds and get this touchdown. Because I could have easily run out of bounds. But I was like, no, I'm not running out of bounds. I'm not, I don't like doing all that unless it's, you know, the two-minute drill. <laughs> but uh, I, I I was determined to get a touchdown run. I was determined to, and especially that kickoff return, I was like, this is my chance to either run it back or get us great field position. You know, and that's what I was determined to do. And at that point, because Roby was actually supposed to be back there, and they put me back there, and I'm just like, well, you know, this is a sign. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm semi-spiritual, but I'm not, I'm not really big on that. I mean, I am religious, but not too big on religious, but I do think God made things happen for a reason. So he put me back there for a reason. They made, he made the coaches say, Hey, let's put Pierre back there for a reason. So, and I mean, the, the, the story is written from there. And then two weeks later, you guys are in Miami, and uh, I remember being there with my mom again, and uh, you dive into the end zone with that screen pass. And there are different moments from that game, Pierre, but something that I remember about you specifically, I remember Mike Neighbors, who's a buddy of mine, and and I know you know Mike. um, He interviewed you in the locker room after, and I, I, I just found it fascinating, all the different reactions, right? Like I recorded a bunch of stuff, and when I got back home to Louisiana, I was going back and watching it, and... Some guys are in the locker room screaming. And look, obviously, you were celebrating on the field and stuff. But when he interviewed you, you were like, you were sitting down. You still had your pads on, but you were almost kind of like shaking. Like you, you kept, you, 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 were, you were basically communicating like, I, I, it's the Super Bowl. Like, I still can't believe this happened. So in regards to that game and, and winning it, in the moment, like if you could go back to that place, how surreal was all of it? Ah, man, it was, it was almost like it was a movie, like, this can't be possible, this can't be real, this got to be a movie, this is not happening right now, you know, because it, it almost like a flashback to when I started playing football, and when I, and I, I'm not going to lie, I did dream of winning the Super Bowl, I did a dream of winning the Super Bowl. I told some friends and those people know who they are that when I make it to the league, we're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to be on a team that wins the Super Bowl. I said that when I was younger. And it's just, it brought me back to those moments. Like, I said that this was going to happen and it happened. I saw this happening and it happened. I stayed positive to make sure this happened, and it happened. So me just sitting there, I was shocked that 
it happened. It was happening. Right. I was, I, I just couldn't believe it. I didn't know what to do. I, I was, <laughs> like I said, words can express that feeling when, once you visualize it, you say you want something and it's there. It's something that huge. I mean, you, you just got to sit there and just soak it in and just, and just look. It's hard to put in the words. Just, huh? Yeah, it's hard to put in words. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it, you just shock. Uh, you're, you're, you think you're hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's just, it's just, it was a crazy experience. And I mean, and it's something that it put me on top of the mountain. Like, wow. Like all my, all my naysayers, all the people who told me that I, I wasn't fast enough, I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't going to make it, all the people who doubted me, they just lifted off my shoulders after that. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. And I guess, you know, you're on the field when it happens and clock goes zero and everybody's celebrating. But when you have that brief Ready, moment yeah. in the locker room to reflect, that's kind of when it hits you, right? Yeah. In yeah. the locker room, I mean, it just, I'm looking at my teammates. I'm sitting there, like you said, with my, my, my uh, pads on, my jersey still on. And I'm just like, wow, this is going on. This is, and I mean, it's, it's one thing that we, we as players, we take with us. There's only one thing that we can take really with us is our memories. So that's why I really sat there and just watched. Watched everything that was going on. Watched everybody celebrating. Watched everybody spraying champagne bottles, doing the interviews. It was just unreal. Because, that, like I said, that's something that you really just see in movies. Pierre Thomas, really our guest. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Unto- I also want to add in. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, man. The floor is yours. Something, as much as you want. This is something where I knew uh, I could say it was kind of destined for me this to happen in my life. The only reason I'm saying this is because I, like I told you, I'm, I'm semi spiritual. I do believe in a higher power, but I think, and I know God. Is, I mean, if, if His name is God, then I go with God. Uh, but I think He plans our life out because I say this because in sports, dealing with sports wise, when I was in high school, I wore the number 20. And then the next level is college. I wore the number 30. And when I got my jersey in the pros, I didn't ask for that number. They just gave it to me. And honestly, I was trying to think of what number I really wanted. You know, I was thinking about asking for 30. And uh, a teammate of mine when I was in college, Marcus Mason, because he played in the league too. He loved number 23 because he was a big Michael Jordan fan. He knew I was from Chicago. He's from Maryland. And he was just all about Michael Jordan, all about Michael Jordan. He was like, man, won't you wear number 23, man? He was like, but that's my number, so you can't wear it because that's what he was at U of I. I'm like, man, I don't want 23. I'm like, Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. We all know what Michael Jordan did in Chicago. I mean, trust me, my city knows. <laughs> so we were just going back and forth with when I got that number, I was, I had, I was taken back because I was like, wait, wait a minute. I was 20 in high school and 30 in college. And now I go to the pros and I'm 23. Take the first two numbers and you put it together. That, to me, that sounds like destined. I was destined for this. And 
destined for the Saints uh, with Greg McMahon, the whole backstory, all of it leads to that moment and uh, yeah. Super Bowl championship. You know, the 23, I, uh, I gave my nephew a 23 Pierre Thomas jersey when he was young, and uh, he's got six other cousins on, on my parents' side of the family, and that thing has been passed on. And so now my four-year-old son wears a Pierre Thomas jersey, just so you know. He, uh, so oh. <laughs> they've, they've been rocking the 23 for a while. We also have uh, a new uh, nine-week-old, and I'll, you know, if you want to be your godfather, I mean, you're, you're welcome to. <laughs> All right, I can do that. All right. All right, honorary godfather, Pierre Thomas. I love it. I'll, I'll make sure. Uh, it's funny. My wife's going to get texts after you know, some of her friends listen to this. She's all good with it, though, man. Gotta, she, she was a big Pierre fan as well. Um, I got to do, do the voice like I got cotton balls in my mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You make, <laughs> make, her, make him an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> yeah. Pierre Thomas, our guest. Uh, all right, so 20, 2010. I don't want to dwell on it a ton, but I, I do have a specific question. You, you kind of referenced it earlier, the ankle injury that kind of never went away. I, I, you know, you're going into a contract here, and I always felt like when, when Jay Glazer would report something, it was, it was kind of obvious it was coming straight from Sean Payton, you know? I mean, he and Coach are friends. Yeah. And there was a report out there that they were frustrated you weren't coming back soon, and I, being a Pierre defender, obviously, I was, uh, I was, I was all about, you know, defending you in that moment but what was how tough and strange was was that situation because you wanted to play and and lord knows they could have used you in that playoff game in seattle but it was just that injury that that just stuck there and then you know the media reports it was it was kind of odd from the outside yeah um (laughs) dealing with injuries and this and that profession it's, it's very tough. It's very tough because only you know your body, but they don't. And you don't want to seem soft. You don't want to seem like you can't do anything. And, and it hurts when you know you can't, if you're that type of person. If you know you can't, it's going to hurt you. And nobody really knows but you. So it's kind of it's more of the thought process of, well, is this person telling me the truth? Are they really hurt or are they not hurt? They just don't want to go through the motions or they just want to take a break, you know, that, that gives into certain, certain people's heads and that, that might, and that probably is not the case. You're probably actually hurt and they don't know. For my, my situation, during that game, we played Atlanta and, uh, Monday night game. Yeah. Beat them. Yeah. Monday night game. We was playing Atlanta and my ankle was flat on the ground. So I was standing straight up. And I mean, the, right where that, where that big bones where your ankle is, all that was on the ground, and I'm standing straight up. I heard something pop. Everybody out there in that area, because my, my office alignment and the defensive player, that's uh, about 300 pounds. So that's, let's say, about 650. 650 to 700 pounds fell on my ankle. So... That type of weight falling on your ankle and you're standing straight up and your ankle's on the ground, flat on the ground, I'm pretty sure something happened. And that was, that's what happened. If something popped, I heard it pop, everybody else heard something pop. I yelled on the field. I yelled right there on the field. But my drilling was pumping so much where, and I mean, I'm just a, I'm a tough person as it is. Like I told you 
when I cut my leg over, I was ready to go back out there and play. I didn't care about the stitching and all that. That's just my, that's just me. I can, I can take certain pain. And I went back out there that same game later on. They taped it up. Uh, they, they gave me, uh, uh, some, I took some Tylenol and everything, and I just went back out there. And I ran on it. I started playing some more. I got a, a catch in the open field, but they really seen me limping. That's when it really took. That's when it took me off. When I got this open catch and I start running down the field, down the sideline, and they saw me limping real bad. And they was like, "Okay, we're not going to take push this anymore. So we're, you're done." But I I went back out there after that. But I knew something was wrong, and I told the doctor exactly what happened and what I heard. I heard something pop, and they took X-rays, they did MRIs, and it really wasn't quite telling me what it was. I'm not sure if they knew or what. And I'm like, well, how don't you know? You know what I mean? You should at least give me something after seeing my results or are you guys hiding something from me? And I'm not saying they were. I just don't know what was going on because they wasn't really speaking to me. Well, I mean, I'm hurt. I know I'm hurt. I'm on crutches. I can barely walk. My ankle is bruised. It's purple, blue, swollen. And that's, and this is where I got a little upset. And I mean, uh, I mean, I was upset at the whole – I was less upset at Sean and our head trainer at this point. The next day I come in, uh, I'm, take, I'm doing my rehab. Uh, but that week, that Wednesday when we were supposed to go out to practice, I come back in for treatment, come in early, get my treatment done. And the head trainer comes in and says, hey, Sean wants you to suit up for practice. Wait, what? I'm on crutches. I'm like – what do you mean? He was like, that's what he said. He wants you to sit up for practice. I'm like, okay. I'm like, do you think that's right? He was like, are you going to tell him no? I'm like, look, man, I'm not going to say that. I can't tell the head coach no. Like, isn't that your job? Like, you're supposed to be looking out for me. He was like, he told me to tell you to get out there. So I had to go. I'm on crutches. I had to put the crutches down, get dressed limp out to practice, stand out there, walk in between each period, each drill, and just watch. And then I was – one play, I was called to go in. I'm looking like, wait, what? Did you just call my name? He's like, yeah, go in. So I'm limping over uh, <laughs> to the huddle. Drew is telling me, hey, I don't want you to do much. Just move out to the side. It's like – Give me a, a Y route over here, and I'm just I'm looking at Drew like Drew, you. None of y'all know this, but I'm actually hurting here. Yeah. Like my ankle is hurting just standing out here putting pressure on it. So, snap of the ball, I take one step to my left, which that's the direction I had to work on, and that's the same leg my ankle was hurting. I fall to the ground, one step, fall to the ground. I get up, take my helmet off, and walk out the indoor and went into the locker room, took my pads off. They called, they was, as I was doing that, he was calling my name. I was upset because I couldn't believe that I was put in that position. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure why I was put in that position, but I was put in that position. And then me and the head trainer, we got into it. Uh, we, didn't, we wasn't on good terms that whole year because I guess he thought I was faking it. I'm like, how am I faking it? I'm like, I'm telling you the truth. Like, you knew my worst ethic when I came here. My work ethic is 
I'm like, I didn't complain about nothing. I worked. I worked. That's what. That's the reason why you guys got me here. And he, I guess, I was yelling at the head trainer. Me and him was on bad terms. He's, I don't know what he's reporting to Sean. So Sean is probably telling him something. And I know Sean said something to the media, which they had got out. And I pulled Sean to the side. And when I found out when it said I was faking, I pulled Sean to the side and was like, hey, what the F? What is this? If you got a problem, if you want to know the truth, come to me. He was like, well, you got to understand. I'm here from the I said, no. Sean, come to the source. Don't go to nobody else. Come to me. I'm like, Sean, you should know that I am a hard worker. I'm not going to sit here and bull BS about my injuries. If I'm hurt, that means I'm hurt. I can't give you anything. Because I'm not going to destroy the rest of my career just for one. I'm sorry for one season. I won't. If you have to put me on IR, put me on IR. But you got to make a decision. I don't know what's going on because nobody's telling me what's going on. And that whole entire, that whole season, I went to so many doctors. I went to so many, I went to so many specialists and there was only one person who knew exactly when I told him my story and what happened, he knew exactly what happened, where it hurt. I didn't even have to tell him. He was like, this happened. This happened. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Bob Anderson, that doctor, he knew exactly what happened. And I mean, I mean, it's all in the it's all in the past. You got media is the whole factor that I went to go see so many doctors. So I mean, I'm not making none of this stuff up. I'm not sitting here lying because it's there, it's out there already. So it was just told between me and the head trade. I mean, me and the head trade had got into it that year. We're okay now. I have nothing against that head tra- uh, the head trainer at all. Uh, but we just we just was on different pages that during that year because they thought I was faking it. But I wasn't getting reported the truth about my injury. Because, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how to read an MIR. I don't know how to read an x-ray. I mean, but I can tell you how I'm feeling. I can tell you something is actually wrong. But they're not delivering exactly what's wrong with me. They just think they can get me back on that field because they wanted me back. But I was actually hurt. Then I have to go have surgery later after that year. And they see that they knew I was actually hurt and that I wasn't taking And then then I got an apology from the whole entire staff saying, I'm sorry, we didn't believe you. It's like, well, why would you think I'm I'm sitting here lying? You had a resume and, you know, uh, four-plus years with the team where they should know guy's not faking it. I mean, this this interview... You probably have guys who have done it. No, no, but I'm talking about you specifically, right? Yeah. Like, like, no, like. I mean, that's what I told them. Right. You know, uh, Delvin Bro, that situation just a few years ago, I, I thought about you because he was getting second opinions. Some people within the Saints were saying, well, no, I think he's okay. Sean got mad. And then it turns out the guy had a broken leg. And my thing was, why are you questioning Delvin Bro? The guy broke his neck and he's still playing like if anybody wouldn't fake an injury it'd be the guy that's been through that much and then they ended up firing some people and things like that but I thought about you when all that stuff was going down because I remember in 2010 the the whole thing felt really weird and 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 I felt for you because like that man's an undrafted rookie uh contract and now he's going to get that contract right it's that second one where you can maybe make that life-changing money did that situation um, 
impact, yep. you know, the, the negotiating and the interest on the open market? Like, how much did that have yep. to do with, and, and, what, and it, did it, it almost keep you from re-signing with the Saints? It had a lot because it, it kept me from, like you said, getting a possible big deal. Because they was, they was like, well, we don't know how you're going to come back from this surgery. That's brutal. And you know how we talked about earlier, Scott, that you don't get the full truth? Right. I mean, they don't want the full truth coming out, which I understand. I mean, you want to keep everything tight. You don't want a lot of things coming out. But I can tell you this, Scott. I am writing a book, and I'm talking about my experience. What the- don't I don't want to I'm not I'm not here to tarnish anybody. Sure. I'm not here to cuz there's a there's a lot of good things that I'm very happy that I I've encountered and I'm I'm very happy about my journey. I would not take that my journey back from the NFL. I would not take anything away from what I experienced. I'm just talking about my experience. Good, bad, you know, everything. All of it. I want I want people to know exactly you know and, and people who want to know because like, like you said, Scott, I mean, we have fans out there. I'm a fan of some people. You know what I mean? If somebody wrote, I'm a fan of Shaq. Uh, I mean, Shaq, I used to love watching Shaq play ball. I mean, I'm a fan of Jordan. I'm a fan of a lot of other, you know, athletes and other people. Fan of Jim Carrey. You know what I mean? It's just, if they wrote a book, I would read their book. You know what I mean? And it's like, I want, because I mean, I'm a fan of theirs. I want to know what they went through. And there's probably fans out there of mine who want to read what I went through, and I'm just going to tell my experience. I'm going to talk about who I am, where I came from, and what I went through in life and what I've learned. And uh, I'm in the process of writing my, my very first book, and I'm talking about a lot of things. A lot of things people may not know that what goes on behind closed doors. When you're under the lights and you're playing in a game and it's a big moment, there's nothing like it, but away from the field, they're the things that, that we don't see, some good, some bad. Like you said, look, whenever you write it and you're ready to promote it, obviously uh, you got uh, an open invitation on this show anytime, and I appreciate you you know, being so open about that situation uh, back in 2010. So last question specifically about that, Pierre, and thank you for being so generous with your time. This is, this is awesome. Did you um, – consider not re-signing him because of that or or were the saints kind of always the 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 leader in the clubhouse in regards to signing with the team i'm I'm sorry can you repeat it so when it came to the contract negotiations did you consider maybe not re-signing him because of that specific situation or were they still the leader Um, of the clubhouse well i mean honestly that year is funny that you when you talk about this because that year Right before that season, 2010, uh, that was my last uh, contract. I was in my last year on my third on my contract, my rookie year contract. And I was told because they actually no, not, they tendered me that year. They tendered me one year. Gotcha. Uh, and during the preseason, we were we went out to Boston. We were scrimmaging the Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick pulled me to the side. He pulled me to the side, and uh, <laughs> I jokingly say this uh, with friends. I said Bill Belichick jinxed me that year uh, because he pulled me to the side. He was like, hey, I like your style, and I know you have one more year with them, and I might want to 
you know, we might we probably be looking. We'll be interested in looking at you. So keep your options open. Just he's just throwing that out there, which I mean, I respect. Uh, and I, I mean, I was honored that he you know thought of me like that. He yeah. saw me, but he's like, just stay healthy. He said, don't get hurt, and I end up getting hurt that year. And that's why I say it cost me a, a big contract, possibly. And when I came back the next year, you know what I mean? I, the injury was out there, injury report was out there and everything. And like I said, most people didn't know how I was going to come back. They didn't think, they didn't know how I was going to come back. And they offer was kind of off the table. I mean, they offered me something, but it wasn't, it wasn't where, and I, I mean, I, I came back to the Saints and said, hey, can you beat this? And they, they, they beat that and they gave me a better deal. So I went back with the Saints. And, uh, 2011, you know, 13 and three, incredible offense, racking up offensive records. And, and I hate to be a Debbie Downer and bring up something bad again, but I know you've been asked about it. The NFC title game, if, if I, I, I maintain that if you don't get that early hit by Whitner, that the Saints are probably yeah, winning we another, won. probably, yeah, won that game and probably won another Super Bowl. I mean, I, we would, we would have played the Giants the hosted right? and played. Yeah. We would have hosted it. I'm, I'm sorry to say about this, but yeah, we would have beat the Giants. Yeah, I mean, y'all beat them that year <laughs> handily on Monday night. You know, I mean, it was. Yeah, but uh, but that, put that, that out there, we would have beat them. They, no, they, we would have won the Super every, Bowl and hosted the Super Bowl. We're the first team ever in NFL history to host and play in the Super Bowl. That well, no, I so I think uh, the host. I think the Super Bowl 2011. I think 2012 was the, the year, 2012 was the year was in New Orleans. 2011, I forget where it was, but. Uh, it was the oh, next year. But you guys would have, look, you guys would have hosted the NFC title game. Then you would have played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And yeah. I mean, I, I would have liked y'all's chances the way that season was going. But you got knocked out of that game and, and you had to watch from the locker room. And, you know, I heard you speak about this once, but the most frustrating thing to you was obviously that you can't play. But secondly, the, something that, that, that had bothered you all season about the team not doing something ended up coming to fruition and costed them in that game, right? Oh, <laughs> you're talking about us being predictable, especially with our rotation of the backfield. Correct. I was complaining about that all year. And, uh, huh. I was complaining about that all year and it basically came to light when that game came to part, when I got taken out, I was complaining about we're too predictable. Once Sproles go in, they, you know, they, they go into a nickel, a nickel formation. They go into nickel defense or, you know, they, they spread out because they know it's going to possibly be a pass or they watch the draw. They keep one guy in the box. Uh, when Mark went in, they loaded the box because they knew it was going to be a run. When I came in, they really didn't know, but they kept yelling, watch the screen. <laughs> but, it was we were very predictable, and I kept complaining about let's change our roles up, let's make Mark do a little bit more of Sproles' uh, uh, plays, let's let Sproles run the ball a lot more. You know what I mean? I was trying to get those two actually to switch roles more because when I went in, nobody really knew because I mean I can catch and I can run. So, and I mean I, I, I was the I was the all around. I, I blocked. I was the best blocker. Uh, I can run, I can catch, you know what I mean? I can read the defense. I knew how to do that. And that, that my role was just more versatile, and their roles was more specific. Well, Sproles doesn't 
do a lot of the, the, the route, the running routes. And Mark was just running the ball. So that's how they knew how to play us. They'll look at the running backs. I kind of figured that. I'm looking like, well, we won the Super Bowl. Of course, everybody's going to study us now. So we need to start changing things up. But we didn't. And uh, it, it showed that, you know, we were being stopped here and there. But, I mean, we, we put up a good fight that year. We put oh, up yeah. a good fight. And, I mean, it, it changed a lot of things because I remember when uh, me and Sproles actually talked about it. You know, when, when I got taken out that game, he had to do plays that he ain't never did before. He never ran over in practice. And you put him in a game, he never did it, so he's going to be probably overthinking. He's probably going to question himself. I've done – I've over-questioned myself if I've been in a role i never done before, especially in my rookie year when I was just learning to do some of Reggie's uh, plays, like when he was a scat back, when he was when I, sitting out there wide or in the slot. I started asking the coaches, can I learn it just in case something happens to Reggie? Because I wanted to back up my teammate just in case something happens to him. If they go down, at least somebody – is in the same position that knows what's going on. And I showed them that I can catch. And they were like, well, go ahead if you want to do it. So I showed them that I can. So, and that's how I started getting into those roles. Because in practice and ahead of time, I took it amongst myself to put myself in that position to show like, I'm like, hey, let's make sure we're covering our asses on this part. Let me make sure Reggie is backed up. Let me make sure I know exactly what Reggie is doing even though you're putting me at a whole different type of role. Let me still learn his role because what if he goes down? Then it's like, who are you going to put there? Yeah, you might put a receiver there, but a receiver might not know exactly. He, he might know, but what if he has to run the ball too? You know what I mean? It, at least you put me there where things won't switch up. Things cannot switch. Everything can stay the same. And that's what I kept stressing when uh, that year was happening at and it, 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 my point was proven once I went down in that game. And you, you, you guys still were almost able to overcome it, but in the end, uh, you come up just short. And it was, uh, it was at the moment, it felt like the most devastating loss in the history of the franchise, but the last two seasons um, have arguably topped it. But uh, wrap it up on, on your playing career. Pierre Thomas, uh, phenomenal guest here, ESPN1420.com. You had a, a solid year. Uh, 2013, I think you led all the NFL running backs in receiving yards. Uh, 2015, you, you're no longer with the Saints. You had a game with the Niners and four games with Washington. Was it kind of odd just being that you'd been in one place for so long, being in, in, in two other clubhouses? Yeah, it was a little different. Uh, I mean, I was really uh, taken away about a whole journey of being cut and uh, trying to be back on the team, going through that process. Uh, like I said, because I, I never went through anything like that. Um, I was only on one team for a long period of time, and just a, it was it was very eye opening just to see how that process works. Um, like I said, I'm I'm like in my book, I'm I'm talking about that. I'm not going to talk about that at this moment. Okay. Uh, but it was very eye opening, and I learned about I learned different things about uh, different organizations. Uh, San Francisco is a good organization. Uh, they take care of their players. I noticed that they do take care of the players. I mean, but they have their faults. Washington is a, a, is a great organization. They kind of reminded me of the New Orleans uh, Saints organization, uh, a very classy organization. It's just they they needed a lot more wins uh, to to be a little bit more successful. They've been struggling, but I see the determination and 
that that they want to win, and they they take care of their players very very well. And I I, I mean I really was happy that I landed with them uh, towards the end of that year. It was a great organization. I really wanted that team and that organization to win more games. And I uh, uh, I know how this is a business, and I know how things go. Um, they have their 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 guys, their roles. And sometimes it's hard for newcomers to come in and land a position. But I was just really more happy just to be with them, and they gave me the opportunity to be there. And I, and I felt like I helped them out a little bit uh, here and there uh, when I when I was with them. And uh, it just it was just a great organization to be a part of. Pierre Thomas, our guest, uh, can't wait to read that book when it's done. Post football life, so you're working on a book. Um, I know you got some different business ventures uh, around, you know, various places, including New Orleans. So, what's uh, what's life like right now for Pierre Thomas? Uh, entrepreneurship. Um, I'm involved in a lot of different things at this point. Uh, like you said, I'm writing a book. Uh, I got it. I'm actually in my gym. Just opened up a gym in Chicago. It's a boutique gym. We got the Versa Climbers. I'm not sure if you know what a Versa Climber is. LeBron James actually pushing these products. It's a machine like you actually climbing, uh, which you put your, your hands on two, two handlebars and your feet are some pedals and you're moving in an up and down motion. Uh, it's, it's a hell of a workout for 30, a quick 30 minute workout. And we also have the cryotherapy uh, treatment also for recovery um, in, in the gym as well. Uh, that's here located in the heart of downtown uh, Chicago. Uh, invested in a couple of restaurants out here, bars, um, buying up property. <laughs> I got two apps I'm working on right now. And, uh, and I'm also right now what I've been doing the most is carpentry. Uh, I just bought a new place. Uh, I'm fixing it up right now myself. Actually, I did a few things. I installed some sinks, toilets. Uh, I'm redoing, uh, cabinets. Uh, I built my own bed, uh, building furniture, building, a a dining room table, uh, roof, my rooftop table in my office desk right now. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm just, I'm just learning different talents. I'm just seeing what's out there. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm at the retired life. I haven't announced it, but I'm, I'm working on something real big with the saints, uh, right now with some, with some fans, which will be out here. I'm, uh, I'm going to put it out there soon. Something real special for the, for the who that nation that I, I put together. And I, I want, I hope everybody enjoys, hopes, I hope everybody enjoys it because it really represents uh, myself and just to contribute to the whole Who That Nation and supporting me during my time. And it's just things that I'm just trying to see what else I'm involved, like what else I can do in this world to help out as much. Because I'm done with one chapter. I'm done with that chapter of football, and I'm moving on to other things in my life to see how else can I help out, how else can I be uh, a part of this world and help out in this world. God's will, man. He'll he'll put you where he needs you. Last few questions. What's your what's your favorite thing about Saints fans? They loyalty, the loyalty, and that no matter what, good good games, bad games, they always they always uh, happy that we're they're, we're fighting. They see it, and they're 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 just motivating for us. They're they're, they're right behind us, no matter what. Bad games, they always say we got we got the next one. Let's move on. They always stay positive, you know, and they, they always happy. And it's, it's great hearing the stories uh, about how long they've been fans and, you know, what it means to them. 
it's it's very uh, fulfilling because you hear so many stories that that will make you cry, that will make you laugh, and you see the passion and what it brings to these people's lives. And if the fans here, like I said, they're just they're just true loyal fans. You don't get those fans who are oh they're not doing good. I'm not with them this year. No, they're they're what you think it then. And that's what I really appreciate. Do you, uh, you mentioned earlier that when growing up, you you always you love playing sports, but you were never the kind to watch it. Do you follow the team a little bit today closely, or is it more from afar? It's more from afar because, uh, like I said, I've, I've been busy with a lot of different things, but I still do uh, keep in touch. I still ask my cousin, hey, what's going on with my things? Because, <laughs> like I said, he, he, he keeps me updated with everything, but I still watch here and there. He would tell me, hey, check out your things. He was going on. I try to keep in touch with a lot of the guys. Uh, I mean, I just seen Drew not too long ago at, at Reggie's uh, event out there in Cali. Uh, good talking to these guys, reminiscing and talking football here and there. I mean, I still like to talk it here and there, but like I said, I haven't been watching too much just because I've been uh, focused on a lot of different things in, in my life at this at this moment, making different moves. But I mean, I, I, I'm gonna get. A, Hopefully, when things start to die down on my end, I can get back into it. I'm gonna start watching and becoming a fan, and uh, and get out of that mindset. Well, I want to go out there and do that. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> Even though I said I'm, I'm done with it, I can't. I, don't, I, I believe I can. I believe I can go back out there and play, but I kind of want to see what's next for me. Pierre Thomas, our guest. Um, all right. So if if you were uh, if a zombie apocalypse hit and you could have one former teammate fighting next to you, who would it be? <laughs> I mean, that's hard, man. <laughs> that's hard to say. There's a lot of guys, a lot of guys I, I, I bonded with on a team, and uh, I, I got good friendships from. I mean, that's really hard to say because uh, I can tell you it would be Lance Moore, Marcus Coaster, Reggie, you know, uh, Will Smith, uh, who we all miss. Yeah. I mean, uh, Zach Streif, uh, Ben, Benjamin, when he was on the team, uh, Drew, I mean, it's, it's a, you saw me young when he used to be on there. Uh, Roman. Uh, it's a lot. Jari Evans, my whole, whole entire offensive lines, Carl Nix, you know what I mean? When he used to be there. I mean, it's, I, I, I can't really just say one person. I will say, look, it's the whole team, the whole 2009 football team. There you go. Pierre Thomas, Saints Hall of Famer and uh, my favorite athlete of all time. Pierre, man, you've you've been more than generous with your time. Uh, this is an interview I've wanted to do for, uh, you know, uh, 12 years. And I think it was the right time to do it, though, because you've, you've seen a lot. You've been through a lot. And um, best of luck on the next stage. And once you write Who's that book. Now, hey, well, yeah, well, I mean, that's it, Pierre. I mean, I love you. And you're my youngest daughter's uh, honorary godfather now. So we're good. Whatever. Whatever she wants, whatever she wants, she can have. Well, true story. <laughs> our, uh, our our firstborn, our son, his name's Callaway. It's an old family name, but I'm not lying. He was almost named Pierre Prather. So the wife considered really? it for a while, and then she she decided, <laughs> you know what, we should go a family name. But maybe if we have another one, you know, I mean, just you know, we'll, we'll tell everybody, right? Pierre Pierre yeah, I, Prather. I know, I know some people say they named me pets after me, so hey, you want to get a pet and you name it, I'll take that too. <laughs> all right, all right. The next the next dog, we'll we'll go, we'll roll with Pierre. Man, I appreciate it. Uh, that was awesome. All the best. Good luck. And um, thank you. you. You don't have to worry about me emailing you every week to come on the show. I'll leave you be for a while. Oh, yeah.
Then we, we'll do. We'll save it next time when the book is released. Can't wait, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, Scott.